to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. All right, I'm ready to get into the Word of God. We've been in this series called Unshaken. Everybody say Unshaken. I have loved being part of this, man. It is working on me, hanging out and camping out with the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel in the summertime. And if you haven't had a chance, we started a reading plan at the beginning of the year, and I was very strategic with this. It was a chronological reading plan. The hard part is you're, you're spending a lot of time in the Old Testament. And, and even my wife's like, when are we getting into the New Testament? This Old Testament stuff can get a little dry. Well, right now, we are in the book of Daniel if you're on our reading plan. So we timed it just perfectly so that you'd have this book of Daniel, the teaching that's going on. We're very holistic in the way we go through the Word of God. So we're hanging out with Daniel. We've been discovering how Daniel and his buddies navigated pressure. Everybody say pressure. We all feel it every day, man, literally. I mean, sometimes you feel the pressure. You just go, you're going to get in your car, and you know you're going to have to get on the 57, and you go, man, the pressure you already feel of having to travel on some of our freeways in Southern California. Well, there's, there's pressure that we feel at work, at home, and at school. And one of the things that, some of the things that we're learning is how situations challenge our character. And the question is, will we operate with integrity? That's what we've been discovering over the last few weeks. Uh, Situations challenge our faith. Will we choose to trust God and his word as truth in our life? Will we do that? Will we be able to be people who stand as people of faith? That's the questions that we've been looking at. And uh, as I've said before, um, I I want you guys to know something. God has given me the spiritual gift of teaching. I discovered that many years ago. I have a spiritual gift of teaching. He's given me insight into his word, uh, the, the principles that we find in God's word. He's gifted me to be able to teach that. But here's the thing. Um, I got to live them out just like every single other person. I, I'm not better than you. I, I'm, not, I'm not worse than you. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. And so these principles that we're digging into, um, I'm applying them first to me. And I'm saying, God, work in me first. And what you do in me, help me to communicate so that you can do that work in others as well. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul. Last week we had communion here. And and I read a passage of scripture from uh, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.23. It's not on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 11.23, the Apostle Paul says these words. He says, I bring to you or I give to you Uh, I pass on to you what I first received from the Lord. And that's a principle that I learned many, many years ago, that as a pastor, as a leader, as a preacher, my job is first and foremost, God, do something in me, right? Work in me, and then what I gain from you, I want to pass on to others. Whether it's sitting with them at a coffee shop, having chicken fingers and french fries, or, or, or at, a, at a congregation like this where I actually get to teach formally. Whatever God's given me, I want to pass on to you. And so I was reminded how important this series is for us as followers of Christ when I was recalling this week a crisis that my family and I faced. It's about 18 years ago. She's not here tonight. My oldest daughter, Rachel, 
is actually on a, on a rescue mission right now. Um, yeah, I know it's kind of funny, but kind of true. Uh, my nephew Garrett was hiking the John Muir Trail um, this week, actually for two weeks, and he um, did something to his ankle. He thinks it might be broken. And so um, he has a sat connection thing, and he messaged the family saying, I can't walk. Um, what do I do? And so they're working it out, and I guess my, my daughter and her cousin said, we'll go save him. And they, hit, they literally hit the road, and they're driving to, to, towards Yosemite to go save him. They're going to hike in and help him out. Um, so she's not here tonight, but about 18 years ago, we were facing a crisis with her. She was five years old, uh, somewhere between ages of five and six, as I recall. And um, we had noticed uh, that there was a spot on Rachel's, I think it was her right eye, not positive about that, but it was on one of her eyes. And it was on the white part of her eyes. It was a brown spot and it was growing. And that started to concern her mom and secondarily started to concern me. And so we took her to the doctor and we had her checked out um, because that's what us new parents do. We're always, oh, there's something wrong. Let's go to the doctor. You know, parents who have two or three or four kids down the road, you know, they get to the fourth kid and like, ah, you'll be fine. Just shove that bone back in there. You'll be fine. Well, this is our firstborn, you know, we're going to check everything out. Um, we took her in, and they looked at her, and the first doctor looked at her, and he was concerned. He said, yeah, I need to have another doctor take a look at this. Well, you know, that begins to start to, that, that opens a door for fear. That opens the door for concern. And as a parent with a young child, I'm going, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do we do? And the second doctor said, you know, this appears to be potentially cancerous. He said the C word. And my wife and I had the opportunity to succumb to fear. Because that's, that's what happens when you hear the C word. Fear can rise up. And God, doctors give all sorts of scenarios, right? They say, it could be nothing. You know, they, they lay it all out. Maybe you've been to the doctor and you've had those kinds of situations. Nothing could happen. It could affect her vision. She could lose her eye. Or it could be worse. And so, Leah and I were not facing a fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We weren't facing a den of lions like Daniel did, but we were facing a faith test. How will we respond to this news? How would you handle this crisis? How do you handle crises in your life? Well, here's what we did. We gathered around us people who were filled with faith. People we knew that weren't going to, be, weren't going to succumb to fear, but they were people filled with faith. That included my family, included my pastor, and we begin to proclaim God's promises over Rachel. And we begin to believe God's word to be true, more true than the feelings we were feeling. The feelings of fear. And God's word we chose to believe more true than our feelings. And we begin to fill our hearts with thanksgiving and say, God, thank you for, and list those things out. You know what that began to do? It began to push back the fear. I mean, fear was pressing in, but we were pushing back against that fear. 
And we were replacing it with faith-filled courage to handle this crisis. Ultimately, they advised us to have a surgical procedure to get in there and examine and potentially remove whatever that was in her eye. So we begin to declare, okay, that sounds good. We, we declare the protection of God. Your, Bible, your word says in Psalm 91, Lord, that you give your angels charge over us, that you guard our going out and our coming in. And we begin to declare those promises over Rachel. We begin to declare that the doctor would have wisdom and that God would guide the hands of the doctor and that the report we would receive would be a good report in the name of Jesus Christ. After the surgery, it was so difficult to let my little girl go. But then when she came back, she had a patch over her eye. She looked like a pirate. And I went to the doctor and he said, well, we got in there. And that quick growth seems to have stopped. Didn't go any further than what we had been looking at for the last two weeks. It hadn't grown at all in the last two weeks. And they took it out, they scraped it out and said, there's no cancer there. She's going to be fine. What about her vision? Her vision's going to be fine too. 18 years later, Rachel has two beautiful eyes. Amen? This event challenged us, challenges our faith, but it caused all of our family to grow stronger in their faith. And we can look back at that mountain and see that God moved a mountain. And like that song that we sang during worship, he's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. And so when I face a crisis today, I can look back to that and go, okay, God, you haven't changed. You're faithful. You just require me to be faith-filled. And that's what we've been studying. That's what we've been digging into this summer. Our faith is tested every day. It might not be the C word, but it might be the loss of a job. It might be another challenge that you're facing in your life. A decision about school. A decision about a relationship. We face these challenges. But the result can be victory when we put our trust and hope in the one who doesn't change, and that's Jesus Christ. That's what we're about here. Listen, we're all going to face troubles. Take a look at what Jesus said. Jesus said these words. He says, I've told you these things. He gave us all these, these promises. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace in me. That's why Jesus told us and taught us those things, so that, he have, that we would have peace. Because he says, here on earth, you will have many trials. Everybody say many trials. Many trials. And you probably go, oh yeah. He says, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's where our hope is. There's where we put our faith in, is in Jesus Christ. So let's have our faith encouraged today. Let's continue to be built up in our faith. I hope you came here, maybe even feeling a little discouraged. I hope that you came here and you're ready to leave encouraged and built up in faith, because that's what I want to see. I want to see us have a genuine faith experience every single week. Today's message title is this, Unshakable Benefits. 
unshakable benefits. If you have your journals, go ahead and pull it out. Uh, we give out journals here. There's some available in the back for free. Grab one next, so next time you can begin to write some notes. If you don't have a journal or anything, you can pull out your phone. You can take some pictures of the slides if you want to, so you can go back and review some of the things that maybe you heard God say. Unshakable benefits. Everybody say unshakable benefits. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you the four benefits from standing for God. There are benefits that you can experience for standing for God, for standing and believing in faith that God is true. Those are the four things we're going to look at. Let me, get, let me catch you up. If you weren't here last week or you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, let me bring you up to speed. We're there in the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel. And last week, I left us with a cliffhanger. How many of you realized last week I didn't finish talking about Daniel and what happened? Did anybody even notice that I didn't talk? Yeah, because Daniel was being threatened that he was going to be thrown into a den of lions if he prayed. And then I, then I ended the service. I didn't even tell you what happened. That's so mean of me. So cruel. Daniel's peers, his work associates, wanted to bring him down. I don't know whether it was jealousy of his success or, or simply they hated his faith, but these guys were motivated to slander Daniel and see him come down. And these government leaders convinced the king to write a law that said, over the next 30 days, if any person prays to anything or any deity other than the king, they should be thrown into a huge den of lions. Well, the reason these guys did this is they knew that Daniel was a man of faith who stood for God. They knew they could trap him because of his faith. He prayed three times a day, the Bible says, as he always did. And that's what he did. As soon as he heard this news, he went and he prayed as he always did. Now let's take a look and let's catch up and hear what happened. Daniel chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. It says, then they, the government officials, told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. Now pause for a second. Now you might think that the king was deeply troubled because Daniel was praying. That wasn't why this king was deeply troubled. See, we'll, we'll find out later on, this king actually likes Daniel. What troubled him was now, what's he going to do? He likes Daniel. He doesn't want anything to happen to Daniel. Take a look. The king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to, to get Daniel out of this predicament. Verse 15 says, in the evening, the men went together to the king and said, your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at, the la at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And then the king said, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I love that. May your God, comma, whom you serve so faithfully. Wouldn't you like that said about you? 
He didn't just say, may your God rescue you. May your God rescue you. No, he says, may your God, comma, whom you serve so faithfully. See, Daniel's about 80 years old by this point, 85, somewhere right in there. And his reputation was a man of faith. It was known who he was. There was no veiled, hidden relationship with God. He was out about all of it. Daniel was a standout. The king doesn't want to hurt Daniel. He likes him. But the king is bound by the law that he had written. And this king acknowledges his faith. And he hopes that God will do a miracle. Because he likes Daniel. Listen, it can be tough to stand for righteousness, can't it? It can be tough to stand as a person with integrity. It can be difficult to be a person that says, no, I'm going to live in faith, not in fear. It can be tough. And that's what this test is all about. How to stand strong in your faith publicly for God. Listen, I mean, in the United States now, it is not popular or positive to proclaim that you are a follower of Jesus Christ anymore. It's not. I've seen people in high-profile positions get ridiculed on social media for taking a stand for righteousness, which begins to fill people with fear, like, oh my gosh, if they'll say that about him or her, what would they say about me? There's a prevailing spirit wafting over the United States of fear that wants to keep Christians, wants to keep people and men and women of God from speaking up and standing up for righteousness. But one of the ways that you can build your courage to stand strong is by focusing on the benefits to standing up for your faith. There are benefits to doing the right thing. And if we look at the benefits, it will fill us with courage and give us the ability to stand. So if you're a note taker, I'm going to show you these four benefits to standing for God. Number one, standing for God gives you victory over fear. Everybody say victory over fear. Victory over fear. Mm, it does. It gives you victory over fear. Just like that standing for faith, standing in faith and trusting God for my daughter Rachel begins to help us have victory over fear so that if another report comes over our kids, we're going to be less fearful because we go, you know what? We trusted God then. We're going to trust God now. God hasn't changed, so I shouldn't change either. I said this last week. Fear is the enemy of your faith. It really is. And Daniel chose faith over fear. He could choose, because listen, fear is a feeling. Everybody say fear is a feeling. It's a tongue twister. Fear is a feeling. See, faith is a state of being. You know what I'm saying? Fear is an emotion. It's a feeling. And here's the crazy thing about emotions and feelings. They don't last. They come and go, don't they? Feelings come and go. Happiness comes and goes. Hunger is a feeling. It comes, and then you eat, and it goes. You see, feelings and emotions, they come and they go. And whenever you have a feeling, particularly a negative one, if you're like me, you tend to think, oh man, this is, this is it. This is how it's going to be forever. I'm depressed. I'm going to be depressed forever. 
I'm grieving and I'm mourning, which is a feeling. Grief, grief, grief is a feeling. And I'm going to be grieving the rest of my life. No, you won't. It will go. I remember when I was 16 years old and my mom died, I couldn't imagine a more painful experience than a 16-year-old kid who's an only child, whose dad works 60 hours a week, whose best friend is his mom. When she died, I could not imagine being able to live beyond that. The grief was tangible. But you know, that feeling, it went, it left, it did. Emotions, by their very nature, cannot and do not last. Even the good ones, like happiness. How many of you would agree? Happiness comes and goes. Wave at me if you agree with me. Happiness comes and goes. Happiness is a feeling. I've oftentimes thought of fear like this. Take a look. I've often felt like fear is this. This is kind of a good definition of fear. Let's all read it together. Ready, begin. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Fear appears to be real, but it's a feeling that won't last. Fear is not real. It's a feeling. You know what is real? Jesus. Jesus is real. Jesus died on a cross and he really paid for our sins. Jesus was put into a grave and he really died. Jesus rose from the dead and he really is alive today. Jesus really is the hope that we need. Fear is a feeling. And we can combat that fear with faith. Faith. Because faith and joy are a deeper, deeper, deeper experience than just fear or even happiness. Faith says, I may feel this way, But I'm choosing to believe God over my feelings, which will change. I'm trusting God. See, that's what faith is. I'm trusting God more than I trust my feelings. Because feelings can be a little deceptive. Have you noticed? Those of you who've been around for a while, who've lived a little while, you go, fear, uh, or these feelings can be a little deceptive. Can't always trust my feelings. Fear is uncomfortable, but again, it's only a feeling. And remember, feelings come and go. Another thing that I've noticed about fear is fear continues to grow when you avoid doing the thing that you're fearful of. Have you noticed that? But the way to eliminate fear is to move against it and step out into the thing that maybe you're afraid of. Here's an example. Uh, again, my daughter Rachel. I don't know why she's the focus of today. But uh, a few years after the, the eye surgery thing, uh, we were bicycle riding. And Rachel had graduated from uh, the bicycle where you put the brake backwards like this to the hand-squeezing brakes. That was a big graduation. Okay? And we're, we're living in Mission Viejo at the time, and we're going down this path that had a hill. And uh, 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 mom goes down the hill. Dad goes down the hill. Emma was fine. Emma was all, Emma's always been this brave little person that just goes like crazy. She's going on her little bicycle. She's still got the back brakes and she goes down the hill. Well, big sister Rachel, we, I look back and Rachel is up at the top of the hill and she's trapped up there. And I'm like, Rachel, come on down. And sadly, she begins to cry. Fear had begun to grip her. She was afraid to go down the hill. She was not confident in, the bra- in her hands and putting the brakes on. She began to cry. 
I had to go up to the hill and I had to coax her to go. You can do this, Rachel. I had to get her past her fear because I knew that if she didn't face that fear, if she didn't go down that hill, even if she crashed into the tree, she needed to know that she would live even if she crashed into the tree. I had to get her past that fear or else she would always be filled with fear. And she did. And she went down that hill crying all the way down the hill. Squeezing the brakes. I think she went like half a mile per hour down the hill. Barely going. She got to the bottom of the hill. You did it. She did it. We went back up to the top of the hill again. Because that's what we dads do. I wanted her to overcome her fear. See, fear doesn't, fear, fear does not respond to reason because it's unreasonable. Fear responds to action. Let's go. Let's step out. Let's do this. And you have to courageously step out in faith. This breaks fear. This breaks fear. It's like when you were a little child and you had this fear that there was a boogeyman in your, in your closet. You have to step up and you have to open it up and realize, oh, that's just a teddy bear. It's just a teddy bear. And every time you make a stand for God, every time you take a stand for faith, you know what you do? You make a move and you become more confident in your faith. You make a move and you become more courageous in your faith. Every time you stand up, you, make, you become more of a person of character like Daniel. The reason Daniel, at 85 years old, was able to courageously go and say, I'm going to continue to pray, because since he was 15 years old, he, he trusted in God. And every time he was faced with a test, he stepped out in faith, and he got stronger and stronger and stronger. So that by the time he was 85 years old, and they said, we're going to throw you in a lion's den, he says, whatever, I'm continuing to pray. They're lowering him down in the lion's den. All right. All right. We need to be praying and believing God like Daniel did. We need to be praying and believing God like the early Christians did. I mean, step forward a few hundred years more during the Roman period. If you said you were a Christian during the Roman period, it was against the law. The Roman law said you could not worship this God. To say you were a follower of Jesus Christ meant that you were more than likely going to be thrown into the Colosseum and the lions, again, more lions, were going to be set free and tear you to pieces. Here's what those early Christians that were facing this kind of pressure prayed. Take a look. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, they would say, Lord, you know the threats people make. Help us as your servants to speak your word without what? Fear. Without fear. To be bold. To say, I am a follower of God and I trust in him. That's a good one to write down and memorize. Pray for boldness and courage. Listen, standing for God is always a victory over fear. Secondly, take a look. Standing for God, number two, builds faith and character. Faith and character. I kind of like to look at it this way. Now, I'm not very buff. Uh, Daniel, come here, buddy. I'm going to use you as an example because you're looking good right now, bro. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Let's just stand right here. You're going to be my, my, my visual illustration. Guy's looking good, isn't he? Ow, sorry. 
come on, just kind of tighten up here. There, there they are. Faith and courage right here. These two guns right here. Faith and courage. These faith and courage are much like these muscles. These muscles don't just accidentally come, do they, Daniel? There's a lot of work to get those muscles like that. Isn't that right? A lot of pain. <laughs> a lot of throwing up. A lot of discomfort, right? A lot of inconvenience. But dude, you're looking good. You feeling strong? I would say you're probably in the best shape of your life. Is that true? I would say so. Give Daniel a big hand for being my illustration. Thank you, bro. See, the only way muscles grow is under stress, under tension, under, under pressure. That's what weight training is all about. I've said this before. Um, I don't like to go to the gym. I like the results of going to the gym. But I don't like to go to the gym. It's, it's, it's inconvenient. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's painful. Your muscles don't grow by sitting around eating cookies and watching YouTube. That's not how your muscles grow. Your muscles grow when you put pressure on them. Tension. Stress. It's the same thing with faith and courage. The way your faith grows, the way your courage grows, is by encountering these pressures and standing strong. Every time you stand for God, for God's work, for God's ways, it builds your faith and your character. You become more of that godly man, that godly woman that you've been called to be. Listen to Paul's instructions to a young, young Christian leader by the name of Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what Paul says. He says, Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And do not be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you. I love that. Be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. See, Paul knew. For your faith to grow, you're probably going to suffer, but you'll be stronger, a greater person of faith and character. Standing for God is a victory over, over, over fear, and standing for God in His ways builds my character and my faith. Thirdly, take a look at this. Standing for God gives opportunity for miracles. Now, how many of you guys would like to see a miracle happen in your life? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Amen. All right. When you stand for God, when you stand in faith, it gives opportunity for miracles. Let's go back to Daniel and see what happens. Daniel chapter 6, 17, verse 17 says, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. That's very important to note. This was a precursor, a prophetic precursor to what would happen with Jesus Christ. A stone would be rolled in front of a grave and a, seal, a Roman seal would be placed on it saying that there is no way that any man could come in and rescue. Same thing happened with Daniel. Not only was the king's seal put on it, but the noble seals were put onto it. And it was death. If that seal was broken, it was instant death. So you didn't dare touch it. There was no man or person that came and saved Daniel. There was no way. Take a look. 
Verse 18, then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night, I love this, fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Why do you think that, why do you think that happened? Because he, he, he wanted Daniel to live. He liked Daniel. Daniel had just been promoted to the second in command of the nation. He did not want to lose Daniel. He was hoping that Daniel's God was real and that Daniel's God would intervene. Verse 19, very early the next morning, the king got up and he hurried out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, I love this, was your God, comma, whom you serve so faithfully, what a great reputation, comma, able to rescue you from the lions? And he's listening. He was listening to hear if a lion burped or a lion growled. But what he heard was, long live the king. My God sent his angels to shut up the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. The king must have been so overjoyed because he heard Daniel all night long. These hungry, these weren't just passive little kitty cat lions. Not, the, not even the kind you see in a zoo. These lions were purposely not fed so that any, any prisoner that was thrown in there would be immediately ripped to shreds all night long. Daniel walked around because God had given his angels charge over Daniel and shut the mouth of the lions. This was a miracle. Daniel experienced a miracle. And why? Because he stepped out with faith-filled courage and he trusted God. See, the reason most people don't experience miracles, I believe, is because we're never really stepping out in faith. Here in the United States, oh my goodness, if something happens, we call our insurance company. We call the doctor. We call the lawyer. We we have so many resources. What do we need God for? Right? It's true. We never really step out in faith. Many people never really step out on the limb and take a risk for God. Those that do, they experience miracles. I got these two sayings. They're, they're tweetable. Uh, they're, they're, you can post them on Instagram. Take a picture. I, I think this is so true. You, never, you should never be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. Isn't that good? Never be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. And here's another one. Uh, Never be afraid to rock the boat if Christ is your captain. You you never know. If you live a life of safety, if you play it safe, nothing ventured, nothing gained is true. You'll never never see miracles in your life. You want to see God do something? Step out in faith and trust him. We stepped out a little over a year and a half ago to say, Lord, we want to see you do something new in the city of Brea. And my family and I said, let's go. And some faithful people have said, we're going to commit to this too. And we're believing for miracles to take place in men's lives, women's lives, families' lives, marriages in this community. And we're believing for that. We're contending for that. Do we face problems? Yeah, we do. And here's the deal. If you don't face problems and you never have problems, then you never need faith. Faith. I think the enemy of our growing faith is comfort. Comfort is the enemy of our faith. 
So when we face those difficult times, we face those crises, let's look at this as an opportunity for a miracle. God, I need you to come through here. Daniel saw a miracle because he gave God that opportunity. What did Daniel do? He went home. He threw open the windows as he always had, and he prayed as he always did. He did not back up. He did not cower. He did not wimp out. He did not say that, I'm going to bow my head. I'm not going to bow my head. He went and he bowed his head. Just like you bowing your head at lunchtime and praying over your meal. Your work associates see you. Yes, that's right. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Why is that? Well, let me tell you. Here's an answer for the reason why I have faith. He said, I don't, I don't care what people think. I only care really what God thinks. I don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. Because when you please God, that's who matters most. That's who matters most. And if you want to please God, look what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. This is how you please God. Take a look. It says right here, Lord, you know, nope, next one. Oh, I made a mistake on that screen. That's not Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says that it's impossible to please God without faith. That was a mistype. That's from the previous one. But Hebrews 11.6 says it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is what pleases God. Daniel faithfully stood with courage and experienced a miracle. He did. Take a look what it says. Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. Take a look. Daniel 6, 23 says, The king was overjoyed, and he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Look, not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Isn't that good? Not a scratch was on him, because he trusted in his God. Fourth thing, and our last one is this. Standing for God allows you to be an example to believers and to unbelievers. See, when you faithfully and courageously stand in faith, believing God to be true, it encourages other believers. And we need each other, right? Faith and courage are contagious. It's the best kind of thing that you can catch. And it builds others up. When I see another believer standing up for righteousness, it encourages me to be bold in that way. Kind of like Braveheart, one of my favorite movies, older movie. Anybody, wave at me if you know Braveheart, you know what I'm talking about. Mel Gibson, probably his best role. Braveheart, William Wallace, courageously rallies the men of Scotland. It was contagious that bravery, that courageousness. But even more importantly than being an example to believers, being an example to those outside of the faith in Jesus Christ, those unbelievers who are looking for the real, the real. See, Daniel became a testimony to the world. Look how King Darius responds to Daniel's faith and the miracle he experienced. The Bible said that he was overjoyed and made this proclamation. Take a look at this proclamation that, Daniel, that, that uh, King Darius makes. It says, verse 25, Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language. Where? Throughout the world. King Darius was so moved 
by Daniel's faith, so moved by this miracle that he makes a proclamation and sends it to the world, to everybody that he could. And here's what he said. He said, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone, everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Why? And this is why. For he, that is God, he is the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. This is King Darius, a pagan king, an unbelieving king, making this declaration about God. Why? Because Daniel was an example and Darius witnessed a miracle in Daniel's life. He couldn't deny it. Darius couldn't deny it. What the unbelieving world needs is to see the reality of God in your life. It needs to see the reality of God in your marriage. It needs to see the reality of God in your everyday walk. That's what the unbelieving world needs. They don't need another picketer. They don't need another sign. What they need is they need people who are living ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That their life reflects the love of God. That's what the unbelieving world needs. Listen, King Darius became a believer, became a follower of God. Because he, and what we witnessed was the transformation of a heart, a pagan's heart. This is the second king that Daniel influenced. He also influenced and led Nebuchadnezzar to faith in God by living and standing and being a man of faith. So good. But listen, this, this is what's amazing. Not only did Daniel's life influence King Darius and King Nebuchadnezzar, but generations, generations would be impacted. Scholars say that in the New Testament, when Jesus Christ was born, Matthew chapter 2, maybe you know the story, Matthew chapter 2 talks about these wise men from the east you guys all know about the wise men, right? Most of us think there were three of them because they brought gifts of myrrh, frankincense. Thank you, gold. Gold, frankincense. I usually start with gold. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We think that there were three, but there were actually probably more than that. They just happened to note those three gifts. These wise men come from the east, and scholars say that the wise men came from the east, which would be today modern Iraq and Iran. That's where these scholars say that these wise men came from. Interesting. Modern Iraq and Iran are ancient Babylon and Persia. And ancient Babylon and ancient Persia were influenced by Daniel. <laughs> we need to turn the time. That, just, that was a dramatic point. There we go. Why were there wise men from ancient Babylon and ancient Persia looking for the Christ? Because 18 generations before, a man named Daniel stood for God and a proclamation was made. He, he stood in the open and he stood up for God. He stood up for God and he prayed to God. 18 generations later, wise men would study. Wise men would learn and be looking for a savior. The wise men were at Christmas because of Daniel. See, when we stand in faith for God, it not only influences our life and our circles, 
but it impacts this generation, the next generation, and potentially generations to come. We are ambassadors. Take a look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, we are Christ's ambassadors. Christ is making his appeal through us. Through us. Jesus Christ is making an appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Come back to God. Is Christina in here? Stover? Come on up, Christina. Listen. Your unshaken, faith-filled courage to stand for God is not only the right thing to do, but it's a model for your children, for your grandchildren. My father-in-law used to say this. He says, I judge my faith in God by how my grandchildren view God. I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, I can influence my children, but will my children influence my grandchildren? Will you be an example to this generation and the next? So that they would talk about how you stood for God during a time when culture in the United States was moving further and further away from God and becoming more and more pagan. My mom and my dad, my grandpa and grandma stood for God. They chose to get on their knees so that they could be strong. In a couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to do a back-to-school service. We're going to pray for teachers. We're going to pray for students. We're going to pray over the children. Prayer is important. That's why we do that. But being an example to them is critical. Be a person that says, I trust God to be true. See, there are men and women who are facing crises like you. And they're looking for others who are going through crises and going, how are you making it through that? You could be an example to them of being a person of faith saying, I'm going to trust God. Instead of being filled with fear, I'm going to be faith-filled. Believing God to be true. Let's remember the benefits of standing for God and commit to be an example of someone who is faithful because you know what? He's faithful and he hasn't failed me yet. He hasn't failed me yet and he won't fail. We're going to sing this song and I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to ask the, the, the team here just to, to, the song that we had during worship time, I wanted to minister to you and I want it to become something that you begin to declare in your heart. Say, God, you've never failed me yet. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Daniel's example. That thousands of years later, we can look to his example as a man of faith who stood under enormous amount of pressure. Lord God, fill us with courage. Courage and faith to trust you even in the face of adversity, even in the face of disappointment, even in the face of crisis. I'm going to be a man, a woman of faith in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.